Good morning. My name is Brian. I'm a member of the Bojangles Coliseum Community Group. Today's reading will be coming from chapter from 1 Timothy um, chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourselves to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard to continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in what you live, in your love, in faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging and believing and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to those matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morning, Christ Central. Uh, for those of you who are guests with us this morning, my name is Omari Hill. I'm visiting pastor here. And uh, as always, it is my pleasure to be able to be before you to uh, expound on God's precious and holy word to us. Um, pastor Josh is away doing a, a wedding for a family member, I believe. And so we just keep him and his family in your prayers, of course, for traveling mercies that they'd be able to come back to us safe and sound. And uh, I also just wanted to, oh, this is a kind of like a custom, at least I grew up with this in my old church, whenever you had um, pastors who just kind of showed up in the middle of the worship service, you just kind of give them like a quick, quick little shout out or something like that. And uh, this pastor is one that we have to give a shout out to because he's a son of Christ Central, uh, but the Reverend Will Barber is uh, here in the house with his wife, Haley. And uh, we're just thankful for them. And, uh, you know, uh, Will and Haley were with us for, what was it, over four years, right? Think of that. So, ish. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I don't have my glasses on either, so I can't. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and uh, I, I had the, the privilege of uh, being friends with him. We're still friends. Not, it's not past tense. But, uh, but uh, we're just walking with him and his wife. And uh, those of you who were here when they were here with us, you know how much of a blessing you are to this church. And so... It's good to see them here with us. And I would also add that um, I'm sure he wouldn't mind this. If you're curious about what he's doing now, he's an RUF campus minister at East Tennessee State University. And if you would be interested in learning more about that ministry, perhaps even supporting him in some way, form, or fashion through prayer finances, um, go and talk to him after the worship service. So, uh, but we praise God for our brother and um, for the, all the many people who have come to this church and that God is continuing to use to, uh, to magnify his kingdom throughout the earth. Amen. So uh, this morning, uh, we're continuing to go through 1 Timothy, as you've already heard. And uh, we've had this series where we've been trying to look at the nature of the church. Just what is it? What is this, this church that we are part of? And what does Timothy, uh, this, this particular epistle in 1 Timothy, what does it tell us about the church? And one of the things that we'll look at today, perhaps the thing that we'll look at today, is this whole idea of a godly life. What is that? Right? This whole idea of godly life, or to put it another way, godliness, as the scriptures say. Uh, that is uh, something that 
maybe we would think a lot of people in this world don't really care about. You know, given uh, some of the trends that we see when we walk out of these, these doors and uh, perhaps what you see during the week, you might think, oh, I don't know if a whole lot of people in this world really care about a godly life. Um, but we might be a little bit wrong about that because I looked this up. Actually, 85% of the global population considers themselves religious. 85%, right? And so, um, so you may be asking, where's Christianity and all that, right? So yes, the um, highest population of religious adherents are found among Christians. So Christianity is the largest practiced religion around the world. Second um, would be Islam, right? And then, um, and then third, and this is interesting, and I, maybe you guys will already know this, the third religion is really, it's none at all, unaffiliated, right? Just the people who are unaffiliated, not necessarily agnostic or atheist or whatever, but just, just unaffiliated, just some kind of nebulous, non-branded kind of spirituality. That's the third largest uh, religious group around the world. And you don't have to go very far to know what that looks like. All you have to do is just walk down the street, right? As a matter of fact, um, here in Charlotte, um, some of the largest population of unaffiliated people, right, religiously speaking, live just a few blocks from here. And, and that population is increasing as these new homes are going up, right? You see them. So, right, so let's, let's believe God then for conversion, for a change in those numbers of nuns right here in our own backyard, and that there would be more who would become our brothers and sisters in Christ. I think that that can happen. I believe God can do it. I believe God can do it. Uh, and so there are some, whether they are affiliated with a religious group or not, right, who really just want to live their lives, as we heard from our brother um, Keishan in his testimony, just want to live their lives with purpose, right, and, and are looking uh, to leave behind a life that others are proud to remember. And so I think that this topic is relevant for most, if not all of us, this whole idea of a godly life, especially if we want to live a life of purpose. And, and many who, who seek that purpose take up different practices and, and disciplines in order to get there. And, and of course, those practices and disciplines could be just as numerous as the number of people in the earth. But uh, for our purposes this morning, we've been looking, we're looking into 1 Timothy. And in this particular epistle, Paul is writing to these young Christian communities, right, that have, uh, maybe many of them are new to the faith and others maybe have been walking for, with Christ for a little while. Uh, but there's these young Christian communities in the city of Ephesus. And they want to live lives that are pleasing to God. But Paul is concerned because something has happened that might derail their desire. Something has happened that might derail their desire. We've seen this already. Pastor Josh has taken, through, taken us through some of this. Uh, we've seen that for part of the issue that's going on with these communities in Ephesus is that false teachers have risen from among them. So, and and this, is, this is an interesting issue because it's not that these false teachers sort of were like, oh, look, hey, there's like a bunch of people over there who are really spiritual. Let's go mess them up, right? And that sort of deal. But no, they actually came from among them, right, which is even more insidious. And so Paul is concerned about this. He's deeply concerned uh, because uh, these, these, these false teachers are coming up with all kinds of rules and regulations that could derail their progress spiritually, right? And, and not only that, these rules and regulations that they've come up with spread lies about who God is, right, and what God is actually doing in the world. And if these lies persist, Paul tells us, they can cause Christians to abandon the truth of the gospel and to take false paths to salvation. And he simply could not stand by and allow that to happen. So one of the things that he did was that he sent Timothy, he heard about this, and he sent Timothy to Ephesus to encourage and to rebuke and to comfort as needed. And so this is where we are in the text this morning as we look at what Paul uh, is, what encourages Timothy to do to teach uh, the, these Christian communities there about a godly life. And so what we're going to look at this morning is, is what, it, what it's not, right? Godliness, what is, godliness is not a particular thing. What it's not, what it is, 
and how it can make a difference in our lives. Our godly lives, what, is, what it's not, what it is, and how it can make a difference. So firstly, when we look at what it's not. What is this false godliness? It's this sort of idea that we can earn the blessings of God through our disciplines and our practices. That we can get what God has promised through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and others along the way, that we can secure all these things for ourselves by simply living a more disciplined spiritual life, and particularly practices that call for self-denial. Now, like denying ourselves particular th- and for, of particular things is not a bad thing, and we'll see that here. I'll, I'll talk about that here more in a, in a minute. But when it comes to trying to earn what God has, is, has in store for us by self-denial, then we've, we've gone in the wrong direction. So Paul is concerned about th- this group hanging among the Christians in Ephesus, teaching some particular things that we saw here in the text. Denial of marriage and of eating certain foods. More than likely, these foods were different meats. Right? So um, because these false teachers uh, were, were Jewish, more than likely they were thinking, okay, you know, thinking according to kosher laws and things of that nature, but taking it to the extreme. Now, I know that, uh, that Paul, and we know that Paul has some challenging views on different things. We, we saw this last week in the text and the week before. Paul can say some things, and he might be like, oh, man, I don't know about that, but it's, it's there in God's word, so let me wrestle with it, right? But is Paul really against being single and vegan? I mean, just, what's going on? Like, that's going just a little too far, Paul. <laughs> but, uh, you know, granted, you know, you can't call yourself a southerner if you don't eat pork at least once a year, right? Uh, but kidding about that, but... Um, but calling vegans demonic is, is just a little over the top. Right? So, so what's Paul getting at? What's the, what's the apostle saying? Right? After all, just a few verses after he calls out these false teachers, he tells Timothy to encourage spiritual discipline in the church. He tells them right, to take on practices, to train yourself to be godly. But this teaching of godliness that had come out from these false teachers, it denied God himself. How do I, why do I say that? Because God is the one, and Paul says this, who created everything, and God called it good. God created everything, and he called it good. And so to deny the goodness of God's creation is to call God a liar, and that is demonic, right? And so uh, if you recall that this is this is what the Satan is all about. This is what the enemy is all about. Remember in the Garden of Eden when he, when he, you know, when he spoke to Adam and Eve, did God really say, right? Deception, taking the truth but bending it just a little bit to deceive people and to, uh, to try to appeal to their worst desires, leading them into death, into destruction. But Jesus said the enemy has been a liar from the very beginning. He's a father of lies. He's a murderer. And so this is what he's about. We ought not be surprised by this. Right? Um, so, but if you remember that this is the sort of MO of the enemy, then you see then what Paul is talking about. And this is why he uses these harsh words like demonic right? uh, and, and teachings of demons. So I don't think anybody in America today is ready to sign up for hey, let's be lifelong virgin vegans for God movement. Like, nobody's going to sign up for that. Like, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but uh, but, uh, but it, some of our most beloved neighbors, celebrities, have probably signed up for things that are not too dissimilar from that. People like Michael Jackson and even Serena Williams are part of groups that say celebrating birthdays and Christmas is sinful. Think about that. What's wrong with celebrating a human life? What's wrong with gathering together and worshiping and, uh, and, and celebrating the birth of Jesus? Oh, because it may be associated with something pagan. Is God not able to redeem those things in the world which are his? 
Um, groups, certain groups teach that real Christians don't date at all. Right? Some of us have been there. Right? And maybe in our college days, we were around some of these groups who are like, hey, you know, oh, you want to date? You want to be with somebody? Ah, oh, I don't know about that. You know, are you really a Christian? You into that stuff? No, I, I wait until somebody's ready to say I do. And, that, and then that's the person that I date. Like this, okay. Uh, and, then, and then some groups, some, some groups will tell you, uh, right, how's that working for you? But, you know, so they, and then some, some groups even say, hey, like if, you, if you're a real Christian, don't really make friends with non-Christians, right? Just, go to, just keep it at the workplace. You know, don't, don't go to the house, you know, because it, it might make you unholy. Um, you, you start getting into some of their music and listening to stuff, huh? You know, but didn't Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like, I'm just, wait a minute, you know, something's off there. All right. Um, oh, here, here's some other ones. People will, will say, like, hey, if you're really a Christian now, this, this is a little touchy. I get this, all right? But if you're married, right, don't have any friends because your spouse is your best friend, right? Oh, you know, you, you want to hang out with all your different friends, right? And, and especially don't have friends that are of a different gender. Oh, my goodness, right? right? Because, you know, God forbid, you might just slip up and you end up sleeping with your best friend. Like, what? How is that? So, and, then, and, here's where, and here's where, if we're not careful about this, where we, we mess up something else that's really biblical. If we can't build friendships with people of the opposite gender, what do we do with everything that, that God has done to make us into a family? How do we learn how to be brothers and sisters if we don't spend time with each other? Right? So that, like, this whole, the whole thing, the whole gift, the, 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 the charism of the, the family of God, it, it collapses if we are avoiding each other. Right? Now, there's wisdom in some of those things, but what I'm talking about is this, is this sort of extreme Right? These teachers who come among us and go, if you really want to please God, if you're a true Christian, you're going to do this thing over here. Okay? Um, another one that I, you know, I struggle with this, and maybe you, you have to, right? if I want to be worthy, then I need to stay busy until I'm retired or until I die. Right? Just, just keep busy. Keep going. <laughs> right? Achieve, achieve, achieve. Right? Uh, how many of us have fallen for that one, right? And if, if you're a real Christian, you know, like sometimes you're like, um, I, I've gone through this where, and it, you know, as, as a pastor, part of my job, and this can be a danger, of course, but it's also a great blessing. Part of my job is to pray, right? That's why if your pastor is not praying, something's off, right? So, so, so that I mean, that's that's part of it, right? I'm supposed to be spending time in studying and in prayer, but. Um, but depending on where you're working as a pastor, you, I, there have been times like where you can feel guilty because somebody walks by and like, what is he doing? You know, he's just sitting in there, stuff like that. He's not working. Look, I got, he's not busy. He's not, he's not dying by meetings, you know. But he's, he's in there meeting with God, praying, and all that kind of stuff. You know? And you've got to try to figure out how to justify your existence by keeping busy. And there, and there are certain people who say, like, hey, if you're, if you're a real Christian, you're going to be hardworking all the time, busy, keeping stuff going. Again, how's that working out? I think, you know, I even heard a pastor say, and he, he kind of sneered publicly um, at other pastors who talk about the need for sabbaticals and, and avoiding burnout and that sort of deal, which is real. And he said, I'll rest when I die. You know, I'll... I'll stop when God takes me out. Well, he might, yeah, right? He might take you out today. I mean, you know, just, all right. <laughs> um, you know, so, but, but there's this veneer of godliness that we sometimes put on these practices that don't come from the Bible, right? This veneer of godliness that, that looks like practical devotion to God on the outside, but is something completely different on the inside. And when we look at it, we go, oh, man, that's, that's it's strong, Right? I like that. But, you know, this is a person, you know, she's a woman of conviction. Right? It's not wishy-washy. Uh, but they, they've actually got something that they're doing, some kind of strategy. But it denies the fact, right? And, and even when you think about this whole idea of not resting and, and, and you know, and, and just keep working and, and push, push through. And, and, and I'll rest when I die. Oh, man, that sounds great. You know, how brave heart 
You know, I'm just like, that sounds awesome. However, it denies the fact that God himself created a whole day of rest. I mean, it's breaking a commandment. <laughs> They're hypocrites, liars. There's some other narrative, some other narrative that we sometimes are giving our lives to, some other story that's outside of the Bible that we're living that supports some of these practices. And again, there's nothing wrong with hard work. Hard work is good. Right? Nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with being discerning about the company that we keep. Right? We need to know about that. In fact, Scripture instructs us on this. But none of these things make us more acceptable to God. That is the point. And false godliness tries to get us into that place where we adopt certain practices and rules and regulations and behaviors in order to commend ourselves to God and perhaps even make ourselves look better. And if we're really heinous about it, we're trying to attract more people to ourselves and even make money. God doesn't hate you because you can't get your financial budget together. Somebody need that this morning, right? Just because you can't get your finances right. Oh, but true Christians have a tight budget, and they listen to Dave Ramsey all the time. Nothing against that brother, but I'm just saying, but, you know, no shade on him. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying, like certain podcasts, you know, you listen to this all the time, and your stuff is tight, but, and then you're made to feel like, well, am I really not following Jesus because, you know, my, my, my budget is a hot mess, and, uh, you know, I'm spending more than I earn and all that kind of stuff. Like, people don't know your story. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know where you're heading, but they just look at one little slice of where your life is right now, mm, 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 mm. You know, and we feel that way. God doesn't hate us because our finances are not together, right? And he's also not going to give you his promises just because your budget is together, right? So, uh, and, and we're, just, we're, like, we're, we're not getting on God's asset list because of our performance, right? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen that way, right? That, that's the wrong story. That's what Paul is saying here. He calls old wives' tales. Like, what is that? That's just some, that's some silly mythology. Where did we get that? Where did that come from? Right? And, and that ain't, that, that's not God's, it's not his rollout plan for his eternal benefits, if you will. But Paul lays out the truth at the end of the last chapter, which we saw last week at the end of chapter 3, when he said, when he uh, recited that ancient hymn, which says, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. Right? So, and, and mystery, of course, means, it doesn't mean that uh, it wasn't known to God. It means it was unknown to us previously, right? It was always been known to God. He had a plan, but now it's revealed to us. And when God revealed the great mystery of a godly life, Right? It, it, it wasn't, okay, here are eight practices to get you right. That wasn't the mystery. It was, it, the mystery wasn't, hey, be like this latest fitness guy on, on TikTok or Instagram. Be like him. No, that wasn't the mystery. No, God said, surprise, here's Jesus, your only mediator, God in the flesh. Right? And, and, pe and people are going to think he's going to be conquered by sin, our sins, and death, but no, the Spirit will vindicate him by raising him from the dead, and here he is, tortured and crucified for your sins, risen in victory over death, and reigning as king over the entire universe. That is the mystery of our godliness. That is the source of true life. We gain true life divine through the life of Jesus, and not by the things that we train ourselves to deny. Too many Christians deny themselves rest, hobbies, friendships, uh, what else? Meaningful work, right? All these kinds of things out of some false kind of piety, a fake gospel. But for the Christian, the whole world is open before her. For the Christian, uh, uh, the whole world is, is open for her and for her pursuit of the Lord. This is what we learn as we, as we embrace the mystery of godliness, the mystery of a godly life. And that is one of the great gifts that living alone, uh, living by faith alone in Christ is given to us. That great gift is this, 
the blessing of becoming fully human and devoted to God. The blessing of becoming fully human, living fully human lives. Not living like a machine, not living like anything less than what you are. Someone who is created after the image of God. So let's talk about what true godliness is then. What is this godly life? Simple definition of godliness is that it's a way of life that reflects the character of God. If you'd like to find like a really good series on godliness, I just um, I was listening to one as I was preparing for this sermon uh, from Dr. Tony Evans, and uh, he's got a really good one. He can uh, get like most of it on YouTube. If you can't find it there, I'm sure you can go to his website to get the stuff. But uh, Dr. Tony Evans has some really good stuff on, on godliness. But godliness is a way of life that reflects the character of God. What we already know about God is that he's the kind of God that will glorify himself by becoming like one of us and humbling himself even to the point of death on the cross. That's the kind of God that we serve. So how dare we deny any God-given aspects of our humanity as moral high ground when God himself took on a body that was made from the ground? Right? How, 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 how dare we go, you know what, I'm, I'm just like, forget about you know, uh, what it means to be a human being, and I'm going to deny all these different, some, some aspects of, of living a truly human life uh, so that I can take this moral high ground, so that, uh, you know, maybe then I can ascend to where God is. But God has already taken on a body that came from the ground so that we could be with him. And, and when we do that, though, if we, if we adopt that false way, it's like calling God a fool, for lying in that manger while the shepherds and the sheep were nearby. And what was God up to? Now, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go too deeply into this. There's a lot of background on, on some of this stuff and what, uh, what Paul is addressing here through, um, through Timothy. But there's this sort of, there's already this idea, this, these beliefs in the culture that about the body and the spirit. Namely, that the spirit, the, the things that are spiritual are good, and the physical, the material things are evil, okay? or, or, you know, at the very best, a little less than, right? So who would want that? And so then the, the whole idea of a God who would take on a human body was offensive and foolish uh, to, to people who grew up, who grew up in Greco-Roman culture. Right? And so this is part of what Paul is contesting against. This is part of what he's dealing with. Right? And so, so people were uh, hearing the, the gospel of a God who would lower himself and humble himself to save his creation, which he loves, and they go, that's stupid. What, what God worth his name would actually do something like that? Have you met Jesus? Do you know him? Right? And, and then Paul says here uh, in, in verse 2, verse 2, he says, these people who teach these things, these people are hypocrites. They're liars. Their consciences are dead, right? I mean, don't listen to them, right? He's giving you all these reasons, like, don't follow these people. Don't, don't give your lives over to them. Uh, you know, because they, they, they're, they're the ones who, who walk around and they tell other people, well, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. Or, or how, how could you be into that thing over there if you're really a Christian, right? But they don't keep their own rules, this is what Paul's saying, right? It's just, right, um, you know, they're, they're the kind of folks who go out to lunch with you, maybe after church, good worship service, you know, y'all saying glorious day, whatever, having a great time, like, ooh, wasn't that awesome? And then y'all sitting down at the table, the waiter, the waiter comes by, the waitress is like, uh, you know, what beverages would you like? Everybody else is like maybe getting a beer, a little bit of wine, something like that. Oh, no, thank you. I'll, I'll have the water. You know, I'll have the water, you know. <laughs> with the head up and stuff like that. But you got liquor stashed away in your house. Don't do that. Right? This is what I'm oh, I'll have the water, please. Right? So, so, and then look again here at verse 3. Verse 3 says, uh, uh, you know, they will say it is wrong to be married. 
wrong to eat certain foods. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God in prayer. We know it is made acceptable by the word of God in prayer. You see, a godly way of life, a godly way of life is built on what God says about his world. Built on what God says about his world and not by a group of holy people. What does the Lord say? And this is why Paul uh, later on says, you know, emphasizes to Timothy the study of his word. Know what God says. Right? Know, know, know what he's doing. Read his word. Right? Uh, a, a godly life is shaped by gratitude to God for, for, for family, for sex, for friends, for food, for animals, for rivers, for stars. Right? Godliness not only wonders at the world, but it also worships the Lord who made it. Godliness not only wonders, but it worships. It walks in the world bewildered, and it also bows down to the living God. You know, and I think it's so tempting to use our, our personal and our cultural restraints as a way of being self-righteous. Right? And especially if, uh, uh, you know, the thing that we're restraining from used to be a snare for us, right? Um, the church fathers, if you don't know what I mean by that, these are uh, the theologians and like the, the high bishops of the first five centuries of, in the life of the church, like after Jesus ascended, right? So uh, some of the more famous ones would be like Athanasius, Augustine, right? These different people. Augustine in particular, um, I love that brother. Like, like there's so much um, that he's done and said, but one of the things why I, like, I take a little issue is like, later on in life, he starts to almost kind of like glorify um, virginity. And what I mean by that is like, hey, be that for the rest of your life. You know, just like, um, you know, and it's almost like, but if you're married, well, okay, I guess if you have to do that, right? Um, now, if you read Augustine's Confessions, that brother was a player from the Himalayas before he became a Christian. <laughs> he was laying it down all over the Northeast. I'm like, like come on now. So now, now you sanctified and holy, and you're telling people, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know about sex, know about that, you know, just like, wait, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> like not, but I understand, like, in wisdom, if you're like, okay, that's, that was a snare for me, I need to stay away from that. I'll get to that here in a second. But that's different. But, but, but you know, how, how do you get to be holier? Um, just because you stay up to date on politics and sports? Like, what that happened? You know, this... You know, uh, the, you know, the real believer would be up on world affairs and what's going on in the nation. How could you not? What's wrong with you? You don't believe Jesus? So I'm like, whoa, 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 easy, right? It's like, you, don't, you don't get into sports? So like that, you don't, you don't love God? Okay. Why, why, why does reading uh, um, young adult fiction instead of the Western classics make you less of a Christian than anyone else? But don't we have these kinds of standards kind of floating among us? Right? This is a hint of this fake godliness. Right? The lure of self-righteousness through our restraints, our own restraints, is pervasive and it's subtle. And we could all think of different examples, right? I'm just trying to, I'm just giving you a taste there, right? Because I'd be up here all day. But self-righteousness and self-righteousness, like, we got to take it seriously. Because self-righteousness is that team, y'all, that's coming with the heat. Like every single day, self-righteousness is coming for you, right? But I love what Paul says here in verse 7. Verse 7, he says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly, right? Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, he says, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Okay, that, that last verse needs a little help to come break it down, whatever. I'm not going to do it here. You can talk to me after the worship service about that. But um, Paul says that we have a hope, all right? We have a hope. 
we have a sure thing. That means benefits for this life right now and for the life that's coming. Right? We, we have something. Right? And so Paul's like, look, I, I got real hope, y'all, so I ain't got time for the foolishness. I'm not going to sit around and listen to all these, you know, these, like, these weird standards that are, that are flowing out of, uh, of narratives that don't belong to the Bible. You know, stories that people have just made up. Notice here, Paul says, true godliness requires putting in work. Right? He, just, he says it. Right? El, um, elsewhere, he uses the metaphor of a soldier or farmer right, doing hard work to talk about our growth and godliness. Discipline is a good thing. It's a good thing. Right? And, and, and living more like God in this world requires practice. We talking about practice, y'all. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> uh, practice. All right. But right, so, so discipline is required right, if we're going to live like the Lord in this world. If we think uh, the fields of God, however, will be ours simply by putting in some sweat equity, then we're truly mistaken. Because you don't want to miss what Paul says to Timothy in verse 6. He says this, If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ, one who... Uh, is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. So he's saying here that the godly man, the godly woman, is not nourished by their spiritual efforts, but by the word of Christ, which is the gospel. That is what nourishes us. When the risen Savior, Jesus, went up to glory and was seated at the right hand of God, he sent the Holy Spirit to bring his life into the life of every believer. Let me say that again. When Jesus rose victorious over sin, death, and the song says the grave, and ascended into heaven and, was right, and took his rightful place beside God the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to bring his life into the life of every believer. The only reason... I say this again, the only reason you and I are able to pursue a godly life is because Christ himself is living in us. That is the mystery of godliness. The way that we are able to live a life that is pleasing to God is by God himself coming to us and living through us. How awesome is that? That God would dignify us by being united with us. From in, in the here and now, in the deepest places of who we are, from here all the way into eternity. This was God's promise. This is what God had in mind from the very beginning and was not revealed until the beginning of the last days in which we now live. So this means that every single day that you and I wake up, Christ is giving us his life and his spirit is at work within us. Every day. So I, and this is convicting for me, y'all, because there, there's some days I just wake up worried. I mean, wake up, get out the bed, like um, angry, you know, just all kinds of stuff. Just like, wait, I'm awake right now, number one, because God has given me breath. He kept me alive while I was sleeping. But number two, Christ himself is living in me right now. When I wake up, his life is flowing through me. So why wouldn't I put in the work? to stay in his word instead of, like, hitting the snooze button four times, right? Um, why wouldn't I put in the work to pray throughout the day? Just as I'm walking, talk. As I'm driving, just talk to Jesus, you know? You don't have to stop. Don't close your eyes while you're driving all that, right? Not good. Um, though you think some people do that in 45, but... Um, oh, that highway. Oh, that's what, you know, it gets me angry. That's what gets me angry in the morning, 45, just, whew. Lord, help me. Uh, why, would, why wouldn't I give thanks to God every time that I feel like a human being? When I experience something that makes me grateful to be alive, right then and there, thank God. Thank God. 
that I get to feel like a human being instead of a human doing. That is Christ living in us. I like what the English writer and philosopher um, G.K. Chesterton kind of says about this. He says, you say grace before meals, right? Because Paul talks about giving thanks. It's sanctified by giving thanks and words. So that's why we say our grace, right? You say grace before meals, all right. But I say grace before the play and the opera and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. When we, when we understand just how much God has given to us in just in his, his good world that he created, how can we not give thanks? And not only do we get to participate in, the, in his world, but God is participating through his life in us and we in his life. How can we not give thanks? Let us give grace. Let us be known as a people who give grace at all times, right, who say their grace at all times. One day we'll work along with the Savior in a new heavens and a new earth, and we'll wonder and we'll worship with our hands and with our hearts. So why not practice now? Let's not waste time. And then Paul, he, when he, he, says, he says even furthermore to Timothy, he says, uh, don't, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, but be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. And until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. I think this is another important point about true godliness. That if we are to walk in the ways of Jesus, right, we need examples, regardless of age, right? Because Christ is at, is at work inside every single believer, right? So, um, so if we're going to walk in the way of godliness, then we need to pay attention and, and seek examples for ourselves, right? Pay attention to those who live this way and imitate them, right? Try your best to imitate them. And again, like, true godliness says, hey, I, I'm going to follow these ways and discipline myself, not to earn favor with God, but because I already have favor with God. Right? And so this is, this is part of my birthright. It's to live a godly life. That's beautiful. Like, this, this is the opportunity, right? I get to serve Jesus, right? <laughs> I, I get to wake up every single day and hear from the Lord and spend time with him. I get to serve others in his name. I get to uh, look for opportunities to see that others rise along with everyone else so that we all rise with the tide, right, economically or socially in the name of Jesus. I get to do that. I don't, I'm not, I don't do it to, to prove myself to myself or to the Lord or to anyone else. But I do this to serve the one who has already approved of me, our Lord and Savior. Now, this, this is, um, even as we think about examples, um, you know, I think it's, this just made me think of this because, you know, Timothy is, obviously Paul mentions his age, so he's fairly young, probably compared to some of the other people that he's serving. And it just made me think of, like, some of the things that are popular in our youth culture today. And I think one of the things that we have to be careful about is that um, it can be easy for us to become enamored with, um, you know, examples that are on TV or on social media or even in the books that we read and miss the examples of godliness that are right in front of us, right? We spend so much time, you know, like, oh, that person, this person, this person, dope, whatever, whatever, you know, and like, like and I do this sometimes, you know, shooting podcasts to people and all that kind of stuff, right? And that's fine, not wrong with that. You know, check this one out, listen to this. But how often do we remind people of somebody that we actually know? Right? They go, man, you ought to meet my brother or my sister so-and-so. You know, you ought to meet this woman shepherd at my church. Right? It's like, you won't believe what, she, what I just heard her say the other day. Man, that was dope. You know, like, oh, that wisdom that uh, my community group leader just dropped last week. You know, let me text that real quick. 
right? Why do we get so enamored with, with the celebrities and we think less of the people that are right in front of us? You gotta be careful about that, um, right? And if we find that we're doing ourselves, doing that pretty often, then it may be a sign that we prefer a self-righteous ideal over the glory of Jesus himself in ordinary people who are right in front of us. Just maybe a sign of that. All right, so if we are pursuing a godly life in Christ by the power of Christ, what kind of difference could it make? All kinds, of course, right? All kinds. Uh, I just want to, I'm going to just talk about one particular thing uh, because it comes up later on in this epistle in 1 Timothy, right? So if we're kind of thinking about our culture, not too many people say this anymore, but, you know, if the first three commandments of uh, the scriptures aren't don't dance, don't chew, don't date girls that do, right? If, if, if those aren't the first commandments of God, um, is there a godly way to dance or to uh, enjoy tobacco or to date? Right? Is there a way for us to live fully human lives in the ways of Jesus? And again, not to, not to steal any thunder from uh, what you're going to hear in a couple of weeks when we get to chapter 6, but in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, uh, Paul says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So we embrace this Godly life, true godliness, it will make us more content over time. Let me talk about that for a minute. So in, in other words, um, hey, look, I can, I can have uh, the things that God has called good, but I don't need them. Right? Because Christ is my life. My life is not in those things, but it is Jesus who lives powerfully within me. So it's okay for me to have these different things that are out there. It's fine. God has created it. It is good. But I don't need to have it. And, and I also remember that every single thing that God has given is a gift. So you can try to build a family. You can want that. You can buy a home, want to buy a home in a nice, quiet neighborhood with good schools. But it won't ruin your life if you don't get it. It won't devastate you. Certain circumstances come along where you just, that's not going to be for you in the here and now. Can we be okay with that? Because Christ is your life, and your reward is yet to come. You can work to improve immigration in Mecklenburg County and the whole nation, right? Some of y'all in some really influential positions uh, around this world. You can work really hard to disrupt uh, workplace harassment, and but without seeing much progress when you do it, and that won't ruin your life. You won't be like, oh, I expected to accomplish more before I died. You know, look, I'm, I'm getting close to retirement, and what have I done? I, I, we've barely scratched the surface. It's okay. Christ is your life, and your reward is yet to come. You can enjoy the, the internet. Right? And, and all that it has, that all it has to offer us. You can even have a good drink with friends. But if you find out that you've developed an addiction, right, and that you need to put restraints on those things, it won't ruin your life. Because Christ is your life. You don't have to look around and go, oh, well, these people, they get to do that and they get to do this. Like, okay. Christ is your life, and your reward is yet to come. And should you receive any of these things and more, right, godliness will prevent you from being consumed by your wealth and being consumed by your accomplishments, and rather you will seek to share and to serve the world with everything that you have, that you will, that you will up, that you seek to uplift others through the blessings that you have received, because godliness teaches us that everything we have in all of this world is a gift from Christ. And we use it accordingly. 
Feldon family, go ahead, grill the ribeyes, let the wedding bells ring, right? Because we are free to pursue fully human lives with the contentment that comes from walking in the ways of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, oh, how we need to learn contentment as we seek to walk in your ways. God, we praise you and we thank you for uh, the beauty of the earth. We thank you, Lord, for the mystery of our very lives. And oh, how too often we have given up on knowing and digging into what's right in front of us because of self-righteousness or fear, or guilt that we no longer need to carry. Father, would you free us in Jesus so that we can walk with him in wonder and worship, bewildered and bowing down to you in every single inch of our lives. Wherever we may go this week, Father, would you... Uh, would you uh, allow your life to flow in us and through us that others might see that you are a God who is good at all times and that you are a God who means to redeem and to save this entire world. Lord, help us to live such a life that people would see that wholeness is just as important as holiness. And that the two go hand in hand. For you would not have us live otherwise. Lord, you have, you have seen us as divided and disintegrated as we were by sins. But you sent Jesus who was wrecked by our sins to rise, to, uh, to die on the cross for us and then rise from the grave victorious over death, whole and holy for us. And so we give our lives to him, our great victor, our redeemer, our king. Lord, as we bow down, even as we come uh, um, together uh, today to, to worship you and to learn from you, would you transform us by your grace? And by your grace, help us to pursue disciplined lives, not to seek approval by you, but because we are already approved by you. Help us to show ourselves approved. Indeed, as the apostle said to Timothy, like workmen and workwomen who need not be ashamed. We thank you, God, for your grace, which ever flows through us every single morning, every single hour of the day, and is abundant for us. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So now we come to a time where we... Uh